0: Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This
1: week you'll be hearing a teaching from our guest speaker. But guys, we are absolutely out of this world um, honored tonight and privileged. Can I just tell you, you are privileged tonight to have some of the most amazing people here to speak to you guys. Um, They are the mother and father of this house of life center 30 years this year that they've been pastoring this church and everything that happens in this place has been like a a road paved by them and fields plowed by them and what they have done in their pursuit of God and their love for Jesus. That's plain and simple. That's it. Charles is known around here for a quote years ago. That said, we just want to make Jesus famous in the earth. We're not here to make a big name for ourselves or any mega church. It's like, how can Jesus be famous here? So, guys, give your utmost and total attention to this tonight. Yeah, let's stand up and honor them. Come on, really loud.
0: Woo! Awesome. awesome. <laughs> All right. Hey, that's great. Hi. Hi. You are? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's good to know. Now I know. All right, I wonder are there any 14-year-olds here? If you're 14, raise your hand. Okay, all the 14-year-olds. So when I was 14, I I li- grew up in this resort town in northern California and standing in front of me in this line we were going into this teenage record dance. I know it's like a different world, still dinosaurs back then. But right in front of me was this really cute girl from San Francisco that I had seen at the lake. And because she was a <laughs> summer girl, uh, her family would come up in the summer and stay all summer. All, her brother and sister were lifeguards. And she was so cute that I wasn't afraid to say hi, you know. But she was right there in front in line. So that's when we met. I I mean, this is crazy. It was 1965, so it was like 53 years ago. I know we're really ancient, but uh, uh, we happen to live during a very interesting time spiritually. And I think you're all living in a really interesting time spiritually. So, um, Josh, Ben, Josh asked us if we'd come and share a bit with you and then just pray for you. So... This is the amazing 14-year-old girl I met all those years ago and we got This is crazy because we didn't know the Lord but 7 years to the week later we got married on in we were 21 and uh, we had just met Jesus it was amazing. So here is Anne.
2: Thank you, Charles. So I'm going to do quite a bit of the talking tonight because I'm very good at talking to all age levels. (laughs) And so um, Charles talks to, well, he talks to all age levels. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. As I was walking around tonight, I was reminded of something that Steve S. Palmer used to say all the time. He said, there is no child-sized Holy Spirit. I felt a full-sized Holy Spirit in all of you as I walked around. And I just want you to know you have the full power of the Holy Spirit. And I also want you to know that you are in a very holy room, right over there where Mrs. Noonemaker is sitting that's a v- when Whitney. Oh, very holy spot right there. All kinds of miracles took place right in that spot. Now that would be 18 years ago when we first moved in and this was the main sanctuary. I don't know if you knew this, but this this the stage was there up there where the sound booth is and all the people were crowded in here. We'd squeeze 500 chairs. And that's where much of all that you've seen transpire now began in this room. So you're in a very holy atmosphere. So I, those were two things that I noticed when I first walked in. And so I'm just going to tell you a couple of little details about the Jesus movement. Now, the Jesus movement happened in the late 60s and early 70s, and it spread all around the world. So that was definitely a long time ago and um this i'm talking about when your grandparents were your age so this is this is quite a while back your grandparents were teenagers or college age so i know we're talking about something that happened a long uh, time ago but god is interested in repeating and and empowering and improving and doing doing things again and again and again so the Jesus music became um, the contemporary Christian music. So um, what you hear today, the Jesus culture, Hill song, all that you've heard today, that came out of the Jesus movement. You see, there were only organs singing hymns before our Jesus movement. We were really breaking ground. The organs would play, and they'd sing songs like, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. (laughs) And then the kids came in, and they had their lives totally, completely changed. And they started singing songs like, It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. They're
0: singing
2: and laughing. Jesus made me whole Folks don't understand it But I can't keep it quiet It's bubbling, 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 bubbling Day and night It's bubbling, it's bubbling So It was a bunch Of crazy kids Who got hit by the power of God And started singing Anything that came out of their mouths And they So the guitars and the drums that you see now are a result of the Jesus movement. There was a desire at that time to return to very simple living. The simple living of the early Christians. So, we lived in communes. I know people nowadays are interested in living, they call it community. But we lived in... Most of the Jesus people, or many of them, lived in communes. There was a girl's house and a guy's house that we wanted to move into, but we were already married, so we couldn't do that. But we did the next best thing. We moved into a little mountain town up in the mountains, and there were maybe 15 couples, and we could walk to one another's houses through the woods. And we shared... If, if I needed eggs, I could walk over to a friend's house and oh. Oh, is a laugh or a sneeze? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So th- there was a return to simple living. Everyone was interested in that. Now, if you looked up Jesus Movement in Wikipedia, it would say this. The Jesus people had a belief in miracles, signs and wonders, faith, healing, prayer, the Bible, and powerful works of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we believed in. Charles, before he was a believer, was was hanging around with some people. And they said, uh, <laughs> hey, we'll, 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 uh, we want to pray for your." uh Uh, pray for your legs. Let's see if your legs are even. And his his leg grew out till they were even. And he said, wow, psychedelic. (laughs) Groovy. (laughs) Wonderful. Now, he didn't, they were hoping he'd become a Christian if God lengthened his legs. But, there was all kinds of healing going on. I know it went deep into his spirit and was stored, stored up for later. But miracles took place all over the place, all of the time. And we also carried very, very big Bibles. Everything was about the Bible. Everyone had a Bible, and they carried their big Bible everywhere. Now, um, I talked to you about that bubbling song. The truth is, most of the songs that we sang were scripture verses. So that was how we got the Bible inside of us. The Bible was a big deal in the Jesus movement. And so we just had little diddly tunes, and we would turn scripture verses into the diddly, little, little diddly tunes like, Make it joyful, make it joyful, noise unto the Lord. All ye, all ye lands, serve the Lord, the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Now, these are not very special songs, right? But that's where your songs that you sing now started. And I must say... I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scripture verses in my heart because I sang scripture, scripture songs that were very popular in the Jesus movement. I might even encourage you, maybe God's going to resurface that, where you make up your own little song about one of your favorite verses in the Bible. I can see it happening again. Everything was about healing. Like I said, it was all about the Bible. It was about healing, about wonderful works of the Lord. And um, he heard, it seemed, every little prayer. We were brand new Christians. Charles said, Ah, uh, I have a wart on my finger. <laughs> he prayed, and it supernaturally disappeared. Then the guy who led the room, who led the whole meeting, the big spiritual giant who had been a Christian for at least two years. You're a spiritual giant if you've been a Christian for two or three years. He said, whoa, He he prayed for his wart. See, the new believers sometimes had more faith, so he prayed for his wart, and his wart went away. God was answering everything and anything. He loved everybody's prayer. He loves every prayer of devoted believers. So, I talked about the different things of the uh, of the Jesus movement, but I think the biggest thing of all was the evangelism. I've told some of you that um, leading someone to the Lord was about as easy as this. In fact, the way I led the only guy, like we were supposed to go out and pray for people, and... I went up to one, and he said, and I said, "Um, Mary had a little lamb. (laughs) And he said, oh, cool. Wow. And he got saved. (laughs) It was that easy. Evangelism was that quick. It was that simple. You know what I'm talking about? Mary had a little lamb, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Yeah, Mary had a little lamb, and it just was like revelation in him, and he said, Okay, the um I'm on board. It was that easy to lead people to the Lord. Now I understand that the healing like the 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 meetings that people had or the or the people when the people prayed for healing, that was so that people could get saved. So when legs grew out that was they would use that in order to to uh, lead someone to the lord and every hitchhiker who was a christian shared the gospel and then after we became christians we shared the gospel with every hitchhiker that we picked up one of the things and the tools that was very popular at that time was um, always on the glove compartment there would be a little um a sticker and it would say uh something to the effect of watch out the driver may disappear suddenly. And people will say, why would the driver disappear suddenly? You see, we believed um, in those days all about the rapture, and we didn't know when it was coming, and that you could be raptured right up into the clouds with Jesus at any mo- moment, and people would get scared like, uh-oh, the driver might disappear at any moment, and they would use it as... A chance to evangelize, a chance to share the gospel. Anything was for a chance to share the gospel, because evangelism was the key, the, the key, a key component in the Jesus movement. Our pastor, Pastor Lonnie, was actually the icon of of this movement, and um, so this is how we did church. Everybody go to the beach on Sunday. They share the gospel with somebody. And they bring them back at night to a meeting where they show a surfer movie and then share the gospel. And that was church. That was how our pastor led church. And he was um, one of the if you if you see the um, the Newsweek, um, he was actually one of the, the key or the icon for the Jesus movement. He was our friend, and. Um, He had a really radical conversion. He was about 19 years old, up in the mountains, and he had an open vision. And after that open vision, he accepted the Lord and dressed himself up like Jesus and carried a cross around for, I think, between six months and a year and uh, told everyone to repent and um, shared the gospel with every person that he saw. And... That was how, that was the nature of the season. He came to, uh, a number of years later, he came to um, a church in Southern California, and it was uh, time for the altar call. He was invited as a guest. He shared his story, and everyone was worried to invite him, but he shared his regular story, and then he said, okay. Okay. Everyone who is under 25, uh, just like regular church, come up. We want you all up in the front. So, all the people who are under 25 came up to the front. And he said, Come, Holy Spirit. And bam o the Holy Spirit came. He hit. This one and that one and this one and that one. And um, all, you've seen the Holy Spirit probably in, y- in your midst. This was a very um, strong outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that happened was um, uh, one guy fell down and he um, took the microphone down with him. Uh, it was on a stand. He took the microphone down with him. And uh, he was speaking in tongues really fast, really loud, sort of like a turkey. and the problem was that the sound men couldn't turn it off <laughs> and this was very upsetting to the to the to the leaders and um, lots of the leaders of the church left and they, they didn't like what happened but you know what happened after that within the next 6 months thousands and thousands of kids were led to the lord and became christians Everywhere they looked on the street their streets driving through their town there were people sharing the gospel. These were the these were the, the few kids that were hit by the Holy Spirit and it started to spread like wildfire. So they couldn't deny that come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and it was so fresh and so powerful that they had to share it with, with their friends. taken my walk in space. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to stay up here. <laughs> so although the uh, Jesus Movement was only about 10 years long, it really had a big influence. And um, there were thousands and thousands of converts, but they are the people you know today. They're the Charles Stock and Bill Johnson and Che and Heidi Baker and Lou Engel. You've probably heard of some of these people. They were the kids that got touched by the Jesus movement, and they became the leaders for later. I already told you the whole worship system was changed. It went from organs to guitars and the kind of music that you hear today. But I think one of the most significant things that happened was that all of a sudden, the kids mattered. There was a whole bunch of kids, and they all had zeal. And it was so powerful. And the kids started to matter. And because we were raised in a, a place where kids mattered, We then valued kids. We call you the kids because you're like the age of our grandkids. And we think you're really important. We think the experience that you have is super powerful and super significant. We don't think it's any trite thing. So this was really me. 50 years ago, I was the exact picture of this. It started in around the late 60s. So in 1968, I was doing some homework with a friend. And after we had done doing our homework, and I'm leaving, I lived in San Francisco, and out of the top window, this friend pushed open the window and yelled out to me as I'm headed walking home and said, please come to church with me. I want you to know about Jesus. And I turned around. I came back. Well, where is where is your church? It was a long ways away. I had to pay a $5 bus ticket to get all the way from San Francisco to Oakland to get there and um, round trip back. Um, first, I, and that was a lot in those days. The public transit, and then the transit across the bridge, it took over an hour to get there. I've, and every Sunday, I went f- from early in the morning till late at night. It was, um, well, Kim would know, Violet, Kitely church, Violet Kitely's church. And um, the Jesus movement was beginning. And the thing that I experienced personally... I was just 16, and uh, I was just at a non-Christian home, but we sang scripture choruses, and one of the scripture choruses we sang was, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. And I experienced that scripture verse. You see, I was always a very weak person, and I lived in San Francisco. Everyone had to walk to school. And the hills you've seen, um, like Lombard Street, the hills in San Francisco are so steep that you have pe- some of them have stairs for walking up on the sidewalk. And I barely could make it to school. It was a very, very steep climb. And after I started going to church and I began a cr- to be a Christian, I would sing that song, and I was strong. I was strong. I could wa- I could practically run up that hill. And I don't know if it was my body, my soul, or my spirit, or the whole thing together, but I felt the true power of the Lord in that experience. My problem was this. I had to move away for the summer, and I didn't have any friends to help me. You see, if you've led someone to the Lord, it's very, very important that you help them in their walk. Some are looking to 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 be with you. they need you, and because I didn't have friends, I was not able to maintain this walk with the Lord. So four years of floundering and i um, and that brings us to the time when Charles and I are engaged. here that's all stuck together. Sorry. <coughs> and that brings us to 1972. So that was the that was when the Jesus movement was in the full, full, full swing. And um, someone had fixed our car and it cost two dollars. And we want they and we wanted to pay the two dollars back. It was a Christian, a man from a church had fixed our car. So he said if you go to a if you go Put the $2 in the offering because that's what we, w- they paid to fix our cars. So we just went to any church. We walked in. I walked in. with um, We w- had bare feet. I was dressed up in a, um, a purple bedspread that I'd sewn into a dress. And we walked right in. We sat down in the front row because we weren't from Christian homes. And if you go to something spiritual, you want to sit right in the front. And you want to get the very best. So that's what we thought. We walked in, sat in the front. They didn't take the offering, so we couldn't give our $2, so we had to come back. And when we came back, they said, listen, we think we know a meeting that you might like a little better. It's just right next door on Wednesday nights. We have 70 kids that squeeze into a tiny little area, and um, they they just played guitars, sang songs, and told stories. And one of the stories they told, I still remember, um, a f- a friend said, we just got here. We got here by a miracle. We were down in the River Canyon, and um, there's no cell phones or anything in those days. And uh, their tire was completely flat, which meant they were going to have to hike hours out of the canyon. They didn't have a spare in order to get, uh, the, get a, a new tire. And um, this was really a serious predicament. And so they had just led some kid to the Lord, and the guy said, well, why don't you pray? And so they laid hands on the tire, and they prayed, and it filled up with air. And the girls sitting in the car thought they'd jacked the car up. And so they said, and so we are here by a miracle. Everyone, come on, let's go outside and see the car, the, the miracle tire that filled it with air. So we all came out. there, 70 kids looking around at this. But it was story after story of living things that were happening to people day after day. They'd evangelized, God had protected them. And um, uh, so we, we gave our lives to the Lord during that time. And... I did want to share with you one thing that happened before that. Ten years prior to that, there was something called the charismatic renewal. And all of the old people began speaking in tongues. Now they didn't know what they were saying, but they were speaking mysteries. And I'm thinking that all that speaking in tongues that God led them to do, they were probably saying, we're praying for the young people. We're praying for an outpouring of the young people. Because I believe that the The precursor of the pouring of the charismatic renewal, where everyone, the Holy Spirit, uh, was a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and lots of prayer meetings. I think that is what created the that actually birthed the Jesus movement. And we've experienced a lot of prayer. We've experienced a lot recently, a lot of prayer. There's, a tr- uh, there's been the re- Toronto renewal. All of this is preparation to birth the next. And so I think we are poised beautifully for the next. And you are the next. So how in the world are you going to make this happen? I think every, every revival, they have some similarities, but they are their own animal. You are going to be the first revival with the Internet. And what is that going to look like? We had our own issues. It was pretty scary. And I think that's why there was the Jesus Movement. Because every man faced the draft. Everyone had to go to Vietnam, or they had to go to school, or they had to go to Canada. There was only three choices. Everyone was facing death, and all the girls were, were, were scared too. And I think you face an equally dangerous time right now with all the things that are stirring around in your culture. I think it ripens you, it positions you for a revival. I think you're beautifully positioned for a revival. So, how can you make a revival happen? Well, there's not much except that you could expose yourself to the things of God. I come to these meetings, or go to a retreat, or hang around with friends that are believers. That positions you to be in the right spot on the wave when the wave hits. Another thing you can do is when you're alone, you can read your Bible. You can ask God for a vision. Charles and I ask God for a vision. We were two months, three months old in the Lord, and we were um, perchi- we were, we were uh, staying in someone's home, uh, so th- caretaking it. And I remember we both got down on our knees and said, Lord, we've heard people have visions. We would like to have a vision. Would you give us a vision? So Charles went in the bathroom and had a fancy carpet in the bathroom. It was a fancy house. And I went in the bedroom, and um, we had prayed for our vision. Now Charles's vision was was very appropriate to him, so that's why I think if you pray for a vision, this is our first vision, and God was faithful. We each w- went to our room, and Charles's vision was of the Bible, and the wind was blowing through the pages, page after page, and if I have it right. It was, it'll all be made known to you, my son. And today, he is a great Bible teacher. He understands the scriptures. Of course, he was mostly thrilled with the concept that God had called him his son. And my first vision, I went in the bedroom, and all I saw was a... um, like the back of a sheep and a tail. And I'm just walking along behind this big old sheep looking at his rear end and his tail. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and says, lift your head and look up. I lifted my head and I looked off to the right and there were tons and tons of sheep around. We were all in such a crowded area. And there was Jesus himself. I could see his back from here up. Now there are sheep all around. And the Lord spoke to me and said, it was good that you followed your friends in the beginning. But now it's time for you to follow me. I was three months old in the Lord. You see, you're very important to your friends. You need to get them started but I know over the time that I needed as a person to follow Jesus because actually then I got like an aerial view. I went up in the sky, and I saw this this sheep that I was following, and this sheep was going, and I thought, whoa, I could be way more efficient than that. I'm just going to like follow the shepherd all by myself. And so... um, That has been a key direction in my life. It doesn't matter what everyone's doing. It doesn't matter if they're going this way and that way. Now, forty years later, fifty years later, I'm I'm following in my own path. What that was, forty eight years ago or forty four years ago, and these visions are still relevant. can ask God for a vision, and he will give you something that will take you the rest of your life and will be pertinent to you the rest of your life. That's something you can do in this point. And I think I'm just going to um, move right on and let Charles tell a story, but um, I think these kinds of things happen by divine appointment, by God's timing. I know a lot of people got saved during uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. It was a campus ministry or Billy Graham's beautiful and most amazing and remarkable uh, uh, big uh, crusades and youth with a mission. But most people became Christians because their friends shared the gospel with them. It was something that happened in their high school or in a little Bible study that they, they decided to have in their living room. I think that, that it was a grassroots thing, and I really believe that a grassroots thing is, is what God can do now as well. So uh, Charles, you want to come up, and um, we'll see if he wants to add a couple of stories, and then we're going to pray for all of you we're going to bless we're not going to exactly pray for all of you we're just going to bless bless all of you
0: thank you Anne. <laughs> all right so um i i'm just going to tell one story um th- it's just kind of a fun story but it it's uh it's a story uh, i think Josh and Ben asked us to pray for impartation. So we're not going to like prophesy personally over each of you. We're just releasing something here that the Holy Spirit carries into you. So this is the story. We were um, fairly young believers. We were living in this place in the Santa Cruz Mountains uh, near – Santa Cruz, California, and we were praying, I was praying uh, that God would direct me to someone who was ready to be saved. And one of the great phenomenon in the Jesus movement was that you would just run into people who are waiting, uh, almost like you start talking to them, they're, they're waiting for you. So the, these friends of ours uh, came and told us this story, the the Wife's name was Debbie and she was a nurse and a young guy, 19 year old guy had gotten in a motorcycle wreck, had uh, broken his femur and it was a compound fracture. He was in traction at this hospital and she said, he's, he's young and he just became a Jehovah's Witness and would you go lead him to the Lord? She said, "Charlie, you can do this." I'm like, "I can." I don't know. <laughs> now, so anybody, some of you may not know what a Jehovah's Witness is. Jehovah's Witnesses have a have the Bible. They actually have their own translation, but they teach that Jesus wasn't God. That Jesus was just um, a God with a small G. He was the he was the first part of creation you know like but he wasn't I mean we know that he was that through him the father he said son you make everything you know he wasn't made he was born you know he was he came from God and he was God so um, anyway so this is I'm just explaining this to you and they that it's what we call a cult and they teach salvation by works like and only a certain number get into heaven 144,000. So okay, so that's Jehovah's Witnesses. They're sincere people, but it's not the real gospel. And uh, so this so our friend Debbie says, "Would you go share the gospel?" So I went with her husband whose name's not coming to me right now. But we went oh, you know, we wanted to pray, so we went down to the beach. And it was cr- in the winter. It was cold and foggy. And we we walked and prayed and prayed in tongues and prayed in English and prayed in tongues and walked until we were frozen because it was, it was windy and wet and, uh, you know, cold winter. And uh, so then we went to the hospital. And so we go see this guy named Steve. And, uh, and so he came in and we said, Steve, uh, you know, Debbie told us, Uh, that you broke your leg and and uh, yeah, well, you know, we're Christians and we wanted to come and talk to you. We heard that you're uh, that you're interested in God. He says, yeah, I'm you know, I just became a Jehovah's Witness and I'm reading all the books. And as soon as I get out of this hospital, I'm going to go door to door because I want to be one of the one hundred and forty four thousand. And we say, well, Steve, you know. Jesus died to save you and. Anyway, so then he wanted to argue about whether Jesus was God or not, right? So, um, and so my friend uh, was getting in an argument and I thought you you never could lead someone to, I never led anyone to Jesus through an argument. And I'm praying, I said, God, I need a little strategy here. And so I, I think, ah, God gave me verses, and I said, hey, listen, let's read this from the Bible, and I, he had a Jehovah's Witness translation of the Bible, so I opened it up, 1 John 5 said, this is the record, God has given us life, and the life is in his son, whoever has the son has life, because we were saying, Steve, do you know that if you die, do you have eternal life? He says, no, no one can know that, I'm just going to work really hard for God, and I hope when i die i 'm one of the hundred and forty four thousand we said well what if what if you could know he said you can 't know so I had a word of knowledge, turned to first John chapter five verses eleven twelve thirteen and and I said, "Steve, this is the record. God has given us life, and the life is in his Son. Whoever has the son has life, so I just bypassed the argument like do you believe Jesus is God? You believe Jesus is God. I don't agree with you. We're just like, look, this is God's gift. He said, do you believe he's God's son? He said, yeah. <laughs> just phew, passed right under the argument. And uh, and so I said, do you, do you have the son? He says, I don't think so. I said, do you want the son? Yes. I said, okay, here's how you do it. Pray, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you have life. We just he just heard it. He actually believed the Bible, but he had been taught the wrong things about the Bible. And he said, would you I want to have you would you come into my life? So I told him, this is how you do it. Like, I don't know if that's how you do it, but that's what I thought. So he he prayed this prayer and he said, whoa, I said, how do you feel? He says awesome. I feel different. And it's like because I none of us can make anyone have an encounter with God you know it's like he experienced the truth this that the life is in his son he that has the son of God has life he that has not the son of God does not have life and these things are written so that you might believe in the name of the son of God Steve what's the name of the son of God Jesus right you got it okay so we left him we prayed for him we said look we're going to come back and see so that the then Next day or two days later, we came to see him, and he was really upset. We said, how are you doing? He says, well, you guys believe in three gods C- because the Jehovah's Witnesses came back, and they, they told him, oh, don't believe those Christians. They believe in three gods. They believe the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. <laughs> and inst- and we believe that God is one but exists as three persons. And so he was he – was, we said, well – Steve, let's go back to when we came, okay? And they, by th- and they had given him all these books to read, like books and books and books, and and they were on the shelf in his hospital room. He says, Steve, and his l- the whole time his leg is in traction, which means there's a pin through his. Yeah, I'm going to. That's I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> So he's when you're in traction, you have a pin through your ankle and it's keeping your bone stretched apart so it can heal. And uh, so. So he says, you guys are, you know, you we said, well, Steve, how did you feel? He said, I felt great. I said, OK, we said, um, Steve, do you know that Jesus is God and that he can heal you? And he said, no, I didn't know that. I said, oh, yeah. He said, let me pray for you. And I'm just doing this by like this is the next step, you know, like I'm thinking, what should I do? Oh, pray for him. Okay. so I lay my hands on his cast around his leg where it's broken near his knee was right above his knee. And I start praying and I close my eyes when I pray, maybe because I was afraid, you know, but I closed my eyes and uh, I started praying that Jesus would heal him right now. And I start feeling jerking going on, like, (laughs) and I think, oh, no, he's really offended. You know, he's trying to pull away from me. So I have my eyes closed and I said, well, I'm just going to keep praying. Jesus, heal him. And then I just think, well, here goes. Pray in tongues. I'm just praying in tongues. And as I'm praying in tongues. I feel this jerking under my hand. And so and I just kept praying because I thought as soon as I stop, he's going to say, get out of here. You guys are crazy. And so I I finish up. Jesus, thank you that you heal. And I opened my eyes. And instead of telling me to leave, he's looking and say, what just happened? He said, what did you do? I said, what do you mean? He says, well there was all this heat in my leg and then it started moving around. Like I felt my bones moving and my, if you're in traction, you actually can't move. I didn't realize that, but, and he said, Whoa, I said, Oh, so he asked. And of course I don't actually know what happened, but I said, Jesus just healed your bone. And he said, wow. And so we said, we'll come back tomorrow and see how you're doing. So we came back and the next day or maybe two days later and all his Jehovah's Witness books were gone. And he said, we said, wow, what happened? And uh, we're, we're, he said, well, they came and they, and they started telling me how you guys worship three gods. And, we said, and, we, and he said, look, they came and prayed for me and I have Jesus. It's right here. In, and he read their own Bible to them. And. <laughs> And then he said, and then they prayed for me, and it felt awesome. I could feel something happening in my leg. So they told him he was a goat and not a sheep, and they took all their books and left. And he, so he was there, and like sometime in the next week, the doctors came, and they did a checkup x-ray on his leg, and they said, we cannot understand this. Your leg, it should have taken weeks or months to heal, and it's fused together. We're going to leave it. You in the cast, but we think you can get out of the hospital in a couple of days, and so he got out of the hospital, he came to our church, and even, I mean, he became like a small group leader and and uh, a few years ago, I found him on Facebook, he lives in Oregon, and I wrote to him I said, "Steve Latham, are you still following Jesus?" he said yes so so <laughs> this <laughs> but I I just want to illustrate this and we want to pray for you that I didn't know what I was doing. Good. Okay. So you're qualified. I had no plan other than we just went to see how we could share the gospel and God changed the life who, you know, kept on changing lives. So how's that sound? So we just want to pray. I'm going to pray a general prayer right now and then we can. We can get everyone around. But Lord Jesus, thank you that every wave gets better. Thank you that each move builds upon prior moves. We thank you for this grace that flooded our country in the 1960s, 1970s, and saw millions of teenagers, millions of children, millions of young adults give their lives to Jesus. Not because anyone knew what they were doing, but because you poured your grace out on young believers that felt the love of God and had the fire of God and shared it. We just love you, Holy Spirit. We pray you would come, that there would be a release of this Grace, this Jesus movement grace on this group, God, thank you for the fire that's burning here. Thank you for the, the this amazing visitation that so many in this room have just experienced that it's continuing. God, thank you for the beautiful worship. Thank you for the hearts after you. We pray there would be an impartation of a grace to love the Bible, to love the scriptures, just to read it. And even if they don't understand everything, that they grab those verses that they can share with others. And God, that you would come and you would do something in this generation that no one would have imagined. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come, come, come. Thank you. Thank you for each one here. And I just feel, I, do you feel, pr- anyway, I know you do. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just pray there would be an impartation and that there would begin to be manifestations of the grace that's on these awesome young men and women. God, we just pray it would go everywhere and that you would release healing, you would release salvation, you would release The good news that changes lives. That Jesus Christ would be glorified. And we declare, we just declare that there's one way to the Father. And Jesus said, He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We'll just, okay, that's what I thought too. So we just, we're you don't have to do anything. You can just stay where you are. We're going to work our way through you and uh, pray for you. And before we do, Chandi and and Sarah, or at least Chandi, is Sarah here too? Or she, she'll she come later. Yeah, they're, they've come to just help us. And some of your leaders are also going to. Josh and Ben and all of you, you know, any of you who want to just join us. And we're just going to pray a blessing on you. And some may get more into, you know, more specific than that. But we're just going to release this blessing. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We can't do this on our own. We just trust your guidance. We trust the, that you're here to release a new Jesus movement in a new generation.
1: Amen. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.